The reading today is um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Hebrews 6.13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to him to swear than him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. The oath confirms of what, uh, uh, what is said and puts an end to an argument. Because God wanted to make an unchangeable nature of his purpose very clearly to their heirs of what was promised, he confirmed with an oath. God said, uh, God did so that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible for God to, impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of this hope and before us belong a greatly encouraged, uh, before us may be greatly encouraged. We have the hope of an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inter sanctuary behind the curtain where the wherefore under Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. All right. Good morning again. If you would uh, keep your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 6 on your, uh, well, or your device, and um, we're going to be working through the passage together. I've done my best to create uh, slides for when we uh, find other parts of the Bible, because our God is amazing. So uh, the Bible is interwoven as it points us to Jesus. And so today we want to look at that, and specifically chapter 6. And so... Just a light history on brigades, uh, because today we're looking at the motto of Boys Brigade. Beautiful. So Girls Brigade actually began as three separate organisations, beginning in Ireland, Scotland and England. The first was founded in 1893 by Margaret Little at Sandymount Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ireland. Then, all the way in 1964, these organisations were amalgamated into the worldwide Christian mission we now know as the Girls' Brigade. So in 2027, three years from now, Girls' Brigade Australia will celebrate 100 years of its ongoing mission across this great nation. And it started in Walcatcham, Western Australia. As Leslie shared with us earlier, Girls' Brigade's motto is seek, serve and follow Christ. Boys' Brigade was founded in 1883 by Sir William Alexander Smith. He started it in the Free College Church Mission in Glasgow, Scotland. And it was only seven years later that Boys' Brigade came to our shores and was founded in Australia in 1890. The famous anchor, as you can see, and it's changed a little bit over the years, but the anchor stands firm. The anchor and the motto, sure and steadfast, 
created by Sir William Alexander Smith, is influenced and drawn from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, which we just heard read. Now, he saw it from the King James Bible, so his, in his, he read, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And so we're going we're gonna to unpack that today, about the bigger picture of the passage and what does it mean? Why, why would Sir William Alexander Smith have this as the motto for Boys Brigade? But let me start with a question. What gives you hope? What gives you hope? See, that's the question today that the writer of Hebrews is trying to convince Christians in his time about what, it, what, what we need, but how much we need hope and what gives us hope. And so it's a challenge to others as to what do you actually place your hope in. But let's quickly talk about the book of Hebrews. I know this is a, a one-off sermon, so it's not a part of a series. So just so in case you haven't read it or you're unaware, Hebrews is a letter. It was a letter written in the first century after Jesus had ascended and gone into heaven. And then we, we uh, specifically, we don't actually know who wrote Hebrews or it doesn't specifically say, like other letters, who the target audience was. But as you read through the letter you discover that the letter is aimed at Christians at the time who are facing or experiencing some form of serious persecution. And the danger was that they were, there was a real danger and risk of them falling away from their faith due to the adversity that they were facing and the challenges that they faced every day. And so Hebrews is this rich theology of all God, all, all that God has done and then all the encouragement that that should give us as we walk with Christ until we receive our inheritance, till we obtain the promises we're going to look at. But when it comes to walking in our faith, or when it comes to running the race, as they say, we see that every year, men and women come together for some strange reason to start at Cottesloe and for approximately 22 kilometres swim across our beautiful Indian Ocean to Rottnest Island. And it's called the Rottnest Swim. Now, this happens every year and it has a massive turnout. And people brave cold water, strong swell, strong currents, sharks and jellyfish and all the other wonderful things that God's created <laughs> to make it all the way to Rottnest Island to the finish line. And if you complete the crossing, you get a shirt that represents that you completed the Rottnest Swim. In fact, you get a whole pack, you get towels and certificates, all these amazing things, but you only get it once you've completed it. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. And so here we are, we see the same in the Christian life and what we're going to see today. It's not about how you start as a Christian. It's all well and good hearing the gospel and starting out, but how you finish really matters. And the start of chapter 6, and if I had time, I'd love to go through it with you. But at the start of chapter 6, there's a warning about those that, are in the, that do fall away in their faith and about holding fast to what we believe in until it's time to go home to glory. And so when it comes to perseverance as a Christian and when it comes to our walk with faith and the starting as a Christian and finishing as a Christian, we're talking about a matter of life and death. 
We're taught what, what this matters. This hinges everything in our lives. And so what we're going to look at is this author spending time, the writer of Hebrews, spending time encouraging Christians to persevere. And then he's going to detail how awesome our God is and the internal inheritance that he lovingly gives. So now if we move back with me into chapter 6, thank you for your patience with your Bibles. And so we're going to look at and read verses 10 to 12. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There we go. There, get there. All right. So the author recognises and assures that the work that they're doing, the Christians are doing, is fruitful. That they're seeing that they're serving their fellow man, their fellow people. And they're helping to equip the saints and service, even though they're facing adversity. But he warns them, don't become lazy, don't become sluggish, but finish strong in your faith. He says, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Hang in there. Trust in God. Imitate the great heroes of the faith. They endured and inherited the eternal reward. The author details these trailblazers later on in his letter, in chapter 10, for any of you taking notes. But it does raise the question, and what we're going to look at today, what gives them hope? Or as the writer writes, what gives them a full assurance of hope? And so what is hope? So, dictionary definition, hope is a favourable and confident expression, a feeling of trust. Now, it sounds simple, doesn't it? A feeling of trust, but it's not. Hope is so much more profound. It has a huge impact on our lives. We need it like it's breathing, like we're breathing. And so some of the greats, the Russian novelist Fyodor Dostoevsky, he said to live without hope is to cease to live. The Nobel Prize winning French philosopher Albert Camus said, where there is no hope, it is incumbent on us to invent it. And the famous words by the late Desmond Tutu, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Hope is an essential part of who we are and what we do. So let's look into our text again and to see what the writer has to say about it as we unpack our package. So read with me now. We're going to go through 13 and 14. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Now, the first thing we see here is God making a promise to a man named Abraham. Now, if you're thinking that's a bit upside down, you're right. It is topsy-turvy. Normally, we see people making promises to God. I swear to God, I'll stop drinking if you give me this. I'll live for you. I'll go to church on Sundays if you just let me win the lotto. Like people make promises to God. God doesn't make promises to us. And yet here we are seeing the foundation of God establishing the nation of Israel through Abraham in a promise. 
And not, not only that, but God's involving Abraham as a part of the ultimate plan that he has to bless the nations in his promise that we're going to look at later on. Now, these verses are a reference to the life of Abraham that we find in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And so the promise we see here is found in Genesis chapter 2. To save you jumping there, I'm going to put the words up on the screen. But for context, Abraham is up in our mountain. God has recognised him for his faith because he's just offered up his only son, Isaac. And just as, just as this is about to happen, the angel has appeared and then the angel reappeared to relay God's message. And we're going to see it here from verse 15. There we go. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham, the father of the faithful, receives the final promise from God, summed up all the former promises that God has over the time promised him. We see him that God will bless him bless his people, and then bless all the nations of the world through his offspring. I just need you to understand, especially if you don't, if you don't read the Bible or if, you're, if you haven't read the Bible as much, this here is a foundational part of what, of what God has done. So right here, basically, what we see for the rest of the Bible is how God fulfills these promises pointing all the way to Jesus. So this is a huge moment in the life of the Bible, in the life of our people, in the life of Christianity, in the life of how God saves us through Abraham and through, ultimately, in Jesus. It's a key point. And what a great example of hope. Abraham's victorious faith, his belief in God's promise, saw him persevere all his life, 175 years of it. And see, back in Hebrews 6, this is confirmed by the writer in verse 15. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Now, this is a great example of Christian living. Abraham lived for 175 years, diligently serving God and trusting him. His faith didn't fall away as he got older. It grew stronger and against all odds, he continued to serve God. And his people, because he trusted God, would keep his promise. The author says that we should imitate Abraham's faith and patience. We should find and find what did Abraham hope for and why and imitate it. Now, when it says obtained the promise, it's not clear on what actually happened to Abraham. And in case you don't know the story, Israel, the nation that God has promised through Abraham, doesn't actually form until after Abraham's died through his grandson, Jacob. And so Abraham didn't see that promise. And what we know, and what we know futures, it isn't until 2,000 years later that we see Jesus Christ fulfill the blessing of all nations through his offspring. So Abraham, there we go. So what we see is that Abraham, while he was alive, didn't actually see or obtain, as I say, the full promise of what God has promised him. And instead, Jesus was the fulfilling promise 2,000 years later. 
But the author, he does give us an idea about what Abraham put his hope in, what Abraham was hoping for and what he trusted. And he does it in chapter 11 in what we call the Hall of Faith. And he describes the accomplishments of faithful men and women, including Abraham and his immediate family, throughout history, serving God in faith. So here we see Abraham and his family recognised by the fa- their faith and deeds and describing what gave them hope. To save you getting there, I'm going to put it up on screen. Here we go. So from verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The next few verses even go on to say that Abraham trusted God even in raising the dead. But the important thing is, is what we just read, is that while none of Abraham and his immediate family saw God's promise lay out or play out, their hope was in a heavenly place. Their hope was in a gracious God a trusting God, and they trusted him to deliver. They, the inheritance that was promised, they knew it was coming even though they wouldn't see it on this earth. Brothers and sisters, God delivers more than we can imagine. In fact, God wanted us to be so certain, so confident of all that he has promised us. He swore an oath. We see it in verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, Hebrews 6 verse 13, sorry, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater than by whom to swear, he swore by himself. And now we're going to see the author unpack this in verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Now, you might be like me and you like a good courtroom drama or you've been to a wedding ceremony or seen the inauguration of a political leader uh, or some, some form of royalty. And so you've heard someone swear an oath, take an oath, pledge an oath. Do you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, or the whole truth, truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth to so help you, God? Or uh, my favourite, and actually I was, I think I was standing right here when I said it, uh, Will you, in sickness and in health, richer or poorer, till death do you part? These oaths, they're a legal agreement. They're a legal guarantee, a binding agreement that brings us together. And throughout history, oaths are what have ended an argument. So two parties would be arguing or contesting land and an oath would be sworn and that would finish the argument because that was bound as a resolution to the problem. And so here we see God swearing an oath, which kind of seems like a strange thing because God's God. He doesn't need to swear oaths. I mean, technically, during Abraham's time, the other pagan gods, especially the Egyptian and uh, Greek ones, they were terrible. Like, you couldn't trust them. Never consistent. 
They weren't stable. They're always arguing with each other, fighting with each other. You take sacrifices to all the temples scattered everywhere and you didn't know whether it was going to rain or hail, whether you're going to get sunshine, whether they were happy or angry. The pagan gods couldn't be trusted. But our God, the creator of all things, he can be trusted. He is faithful. He is unchangeable. And so why did God swear an oath and who did he swear it for? And so let's look in this passage to see who God is going to swear it for and why. And so we see in verse 17, as we read, the heirs of promise. And who are the heirs of promise? Let's look in verse 18. Let's read together. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So we see we who have refuge, we who have fled for refuge. So God did it for his people. He swore an oath for Christians, for those who believe in him and put their faith in him. And he did it with two great unchangeable things. So we see, firstly, he made a promise. Secondly, he swore an oath. Now these, they can't be altered, they can't be amended, manipulated, traded, muddied, falsified. These are unchangeable. They're clear. And it is impossible for God to lie. And so God promises Abraham that he would bless him, his people and the nations. Then roughly 2,000 years later, after Abraham, we see that promise to bless the nations come true in Jesus. Now, funnily enough, roughly 2,000 years later, here we are gathered today under that same unchangeable promise. Nothing has changed. God is faithful. And for 4,000 years, he has kept his promise and kept all of us ready for our inheritance. And so what does the author now say about why God did it? Why did God desire to convince us more that he would bless us, that he would keep his promise, that he would save us? Why did he want us to completely trust his guarantee in all that he would give freely? Let's look again in verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. He did it to encourage us, to be encouraged to hold fast to the hope set before us. And as Christians, we need encouragement. We need hope to cling to. You can ask any mature Christian here today. The Christian life, the path to glory, is not an easy one. And the Bible really doesn't say otherwise. There is always, always problems down the road. We're always facing something. Whether it be the temptation of sin, being exposed to false teaching and lies, whether we're suffering and in pain, persecution, 
whether we're being ostracised by the culture around us or our neighbours or our family, even the ongoing challenge of being diligent, of faithfully serving God and not being sluggish or lazy with our walk in Christ, it's hard. And so we need reassurance. We need encouragement. We need security in our faith. We need hope. See, the Bible says we're meant to flee from the world, flee from the possessions and praise that this broken creation provides. And instead, we're meant to wait for the heavenly world that God has prepared for us through Jesus. And so we deny ourselves and we take up our cross and follow him and seek the eternal treasures in God's kingdom, the inheritance that God has promised, as we are the heirs of the promise. And so this reassurance is certainty. God provides it all in abundance. And it's a hope that we can hold fast to, an anchor of the soul. So look with me in verse 19 and 20. There we go. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Whatever the storms of life that get thrown at us, whatever adversity, whatever struggles we face, we are anchored in God's promise, delivered by his son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, he tore the curtain, and he ripped up the barrier that separated us from God. Now, the inner place that the text talks about behind the curtain was the most holy place. The holy of holies was the dwelling place of God on earth, whether it be the tabernacle or the temple. And so only the priests, a priest was only allowed to go in and he could only go in one time a year under very strict, specific circumstances. And so this process, God established it so that he could maintain a relationship We have an almighty, perfect God and a very sinful people and God brought us together through this process. However, as we've read, this all ended with Jesus. He became our high priest forever. On our behalf, he went before us and prepared a place for us with God, sealing our inheritance, fulfilling God's promise. Now, this is actually described in three of the four biographies in the Bible. So Matthew, Mark and Luke all describe the moment after Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain that that in front of the inner room tore from top to bottom. We're no longer separated from God. We are heirs to the promise. We are now his children through Jesus. See, our, our hope, our anchor is Jesus. He has guaranteed our inheritance a place with God forever. And the cool thing is, we're not anchored down, we're anchored up, anchored in heaven with Jesus forever. So brothers and sisters, God made a promise. He swore an oath to encourage us that his promise, our inheritance is unchangeable. It's secure in heaven. He completed this in Jesus, our forerunner, preparing and securing the blessing forever. And this gives us a full assurance of hope. As we saw, this was Abraham's hope. 
This was Sir William Alexander Smith's hope when he founded Boys Brigade. This is our hope in why Girls and Boys Brigade are built around knowing and following Jesus. This is my hope as I serve this church, as I serve the community as captain. And so I'd like to ask you again, what gives you hope? See, if you're here today or you're listening or you're watching online and your hope isn't in Jesus, I would love to talk to you. Jesus will change your life forever. God swears it. And brothers and sisters in Christ, my fellow Christians, so here we're encouraged to be imitators of the faithful, earnest and patient, trusting God, diligently serving him until we receive our inheritance. We should be growing in our faith, maturing in our knowledge of God, setting our sights on the finish, keeping our eye on the prize, anchored by our hope in Christ. But why do we need hope? I just want to give you a story to finish. And thank you for being patient with me. But I just want to finish on why this hope is so crucial to our faith and life in general. So my father's, my father's name was Vivian Herbert Powell. And if most of you would, wouldn't be aware. So he left uh, my life when I was seven years old. And I didn't re-establish a proper connection with him until my, my fiancé, or my wife now V, went to Brisbane to re-establish that correct connection. And that was a prayer that V and I had before we got married, was that we, we re-established all our relationships with our family and immediate family. And so we rebuilt that all those many years later. So it, was, it came as a shock uh, after 2016, becoming back in regular contact, that in February 2017, I'd get a message from my family saying, Dad's sick, come back to Brisbane. So when I arrived in Brisbane, it turned out that Vivid started getting headaches and the headaches wouldn't go away. Panadol wasn't working, water wasn't working, nothing was working. So he went to the doctor, he got a scan and they found five inoperable tumours in his brain scattered all over the place. And the problem with these tumours is that they started taking things away. They started deteriorating his faculties and his, and his body. Now, before this, if you'd asked Viv if he was a Christian, he would have said, yeah, I'll go to the Methodist church across the road. Love Jesus. Soon as he found out he had cancer and while he was in immense pain, the first thing he did was stop going to church and he stopped praying with his family. So when I arrived... He was somebody that didn't want to talk to me about the hope that we have as we go through adversity. And we watched him struggle. A faithful, loving wife, a Christian mum, a son who's just rebuilt that relationship. And we struggled watching him use the genius, because my dad was a genius. He could build, fix, create anything. The man was amazing with his hands. And he thought he could fix this. So he tried everything. He researched it all. Cures, whether they were legal or illegal, he tried it all. He wanted to achieve it all. He changed his diet, changed the way he showered, changed everything, thinking that he could beat it. And he didn't. And it slowly kept stripping things away from his life. And he struggled. And we struggled. But we continued to pray and hope and care for him and love him. Until one night, it was my turn, and Glennis, his beautiful wife, my amazing stepmom, she had the night off, 
And so I've, I've showered and got Dad ready for bed, and we're in bed, and as you can imagine, he was having a lot of trouble sleeping. And so we're just sitting there chatting about not much and just talk music and stuff, and it just I felt compelled at that point to ask my dad again, hey, did I ever tell you how I became a Christian? For the first time, my father said, no, but I'd love to hear it. Because we had all the time in the world, I slowly walked through how everything in my life pointed to my need to put my faith and hope in Jesus. And at the end, I said to my father, can I pray with you? And he said, yeah, I'd love that too. And I prayed with my father. A few days later, in the middle of the night, he woke his wife up. And so Glennis, who'd been a nurse for most of her life, she got up, kicked in a nurse mode, thought he'd wet the bed. She starts hustling and bustling. He goes, no, 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 I'm all right, I'm all right. She goes, what's wrong? He goes, nothing. Will you pray with me? A few days later, he's visiting his mum. And they were chatting. And he says, mum, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus. Now, throughout this time, Pastor Tom, who's been his pastor this whole time and seen him reject the church, kept faithfully visiting. Love Pastor Tom. And so when he got to palliative care, Pastor Tom swears that when he walked in, he could feel the peace and calm in the room. He could see Dad. And Pastor Tom says that in that moment, Dad held his hand to reassure him about what was going on. And so on this moment, the beauty that I had, and as crazy it was, because I unfortunately had to come back to Perth at the time, and V was pregnant with Tamanda, so it was a lot was going on. But knowing that my dad died putting his hope in Jesus two weeks before he died was everything. And it was everything to us to get through that. Because we need hope. We need hope to forgive. We need hope to love and serve. And we need hope that death isn't the end. And it isn't the end. But that we have an inheritance with God. We need hope. And the best hope the true hope, the absolute hope that allows us to persevere through everything is through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anchor of our soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can see in your word all the incredible things that you have done, interwoven through time and space to fulfill your incredible promise that we can be with you forever. Thank you that you are an unchangeable God. Thank you that you are holy, holy, holy. And that your sovereign will was to make us heirs of the promise through your son, Jesus. Lord, thank you for giving us hope that allows us to endure all things. And please help us run the race to serve you faithfully, to know you, to follow you, and to trust you until the end, when it is time to be with you forever. Lord, help us to hold fast to this promise. Help us to serve on each other lovingly, forgivingly, and above all, help us together to shine the light of hope to the world around us. And Lord, thank you that we have an anchor in Jesus. Thank you that we are your heirs to the promise. In your wonderful name. Amen.